This is Brother Hassan. This is the late night hour. Ujama <laughs> <laughs> plays after dark. <laughs> you you gonna hear us serenade the mics tonight? <laughs> Light your candles and dim the lights down. <laughs> Make sure you get them roses ready for your baby girl. Yeah. <laughs> you got Barry White. <laughs> Oh, no, no, man. <laughs> a Black Man Sketch, a podcast by Ujama Men. All right. Hi, my name is Faith Lofton. I am the program director here at Ujama Place. Um, I am sitting with our behavioral health coach, Darnell Baker, and our participant, uh, Harry Momo. Um, we're here today just to talk a little bit about uh, returning back to the office since COVID-19, uh, what our program is looking like, um, and some of the changes that have happened during the time. Um, so we're really excited to be back in our office space. Uh, today is our official first day of being back in the office and kind of starting program. Um, so we are doing a lot of things remote still, although we are um, happy to have our men inside of the office space um, providing on-site classes, um, but we are also incorporating um, some Zoom classes. So participants who are working or are remote can still access those classes online. Um, it is different, um, but I feel like we've done a great job with um, getting acclimated and learning all about the new technology and the systems that we have and still trying to incorporate uh, new technology um, into our programming. So again, we're, we're still trying to touch every man um, as much as possible um, and offering all of our programming um, just in a different way due to COVID. Um, yes, my name is Darnell Baker. I am the behavioral health coach here at Ujama Place. I've uh, been with the program about a year and uh, just been blown away at the resources and support that the St. Paul community has had here with Ujama Place and just with the community itself here in St. Paul. Um, as Faith mentioned, we have been uh, steadily just prepping slowly, uh, making sure we meet COVID expectations about PPE and the cleanliness and, and, and those sort of things. And, uh, we've changed our meal plans at this point in time. Uh, we're not serving men meals here at, their, at our program right now, but we are still working diligently at that plan. We're taking care of our guys in our housing with meals. And, and uh, even the guys that are now that we are open, they, they are allowed to come in one-on-one -on -one for our high-context coaching. They've been doing that pretty frequently. Uh, two days a week, we've had our career development classes, uh, which was held by our employment coach, Steve Stevenson Morgan. And that's uh, been going pretty consistent on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we only allow about eight guys in at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not there spending all day. Um, they come in for the class, get the information they need, and, and head out. And I think they really understand it's just this COVID time right now. Uh, but they staying connected to Ujama and knowing that uh, navigating their way through life as a young African-American male can be difficult. And uh, we're honored that they trust to walk with us. Absolutely. Um, we have um, our participant, a Ujama participant, a Ujama man, um, Harry Momo, with us today. Um, how are you doing today? I'm well, I'm well. And yourself? I'm doing well. No complaints. Good. It's good to hear. I'm well. I'm very uh, happy to be here in this presence of you three as well uh, through this whole COVID stuff as it's going down because I know. It's been very tough on you guys as in as just teachers, counselors, and mentors to basically like help us young men as well too 
throughout everything being closed. And I know I'm very appreciative appreciative of it. And I know a lot of the other guys that I've been in connection with since I've been in the program are as well, too. But again, thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Thank you for being here. Um, I I don't want to say Harry is one of our COVID guys uh, because we have, based on us having to switch to remote uh, communication and remote intake processes, uh, that's how Harry had met us. Um, He was kind of referred to us from a program. He reached out, and uh, we've been communicating since April 20th, I believe it is. Um, <laughs> it's in my head. Yeah, yeah. and um, uh, do you want to talk about some of the needs that you came to believe that we can help you with? Man, I was actually I was very excited to be here. I think it was like May or so, May or April, but I know I, I shared a birthday with the Ujama program, which I'm very thankful to be a part of. But since being part of the program and this COVID stuff going on, it's been very tough. Like I said, just for just to meet a bunch of the other guys that are within the program, but just being able to talk with the mentors throughout our our class time and that we have every what Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Wednesdays, and even out of out of just like the Ujama Man program classes as well too. Things have been going pretty well. Um, I'm I'm enjoying it right now. I'm just seeking to get my welding assistant license. Um, within the next two sessions here that I have to complete. So it's been good talking with the mentors and having those guys be on our backs, you know, trying to help us progress through the system and what what's up with all that's going on right now. And Harry's been a great um, uh, addition to the Java Men project here we have. Um, Harry's very motivated uh, from day one. He's come in here, he follows through, he comes to classes. Uh, when we send him for work, he shows up, um, and that sure. simplifies a lot of what we're looking for in Jama men. And other men do see that. And mm-hmm. sometimes we deal with men with lack of motivation and uh, lack of direction. So we appreciate that because that's definitely what your foundation you're helping us. Do. Uh, I appreciate you guys for sure. Uh, thank you, um, um, Harry. Um, quick question. So since COVID um, has a f- impacted pretty much all of us, um, I just wanted you to share how COVID has impacted you? Oh man, COVID's impacted me in a lot of ways, uh, thanks to the media. They've put a lot of information out there as well too. Um, I've changed my health. I've changed a lot of the things that I have been eating. And I wanna say thank you to COVID because you know we have to have a strong immune system and we have to take care of ourselves with what's going on right now because you never know who you can come in contact with. Um, and you never, you never know how, how quick your life can change just from, you know, not being a part of the, uh, the wear mask when, when you know that you're sick, you know. But the COVID, it's, it's changed a lot of informations within me personally, just being at a, a stay-at-home base and just being mostly just in my mind, my own head, and just thinking a lot with all the stuff that's going on. Like you have free money being thrown at young adults and at teens who've been working, and it's kind of crazy to think that you can just hand out these free money to these kids and they just <laughs> blow it away. But I, I'm, I'm very thankful, and I'm very like I'm very thankful for what's going on right now. Even though it's like sad, with what's going on with the health wise, but for me, it's helped me a lot, you know, to personally figure out myself and figure out my next step and my next plan. And thanks to the Ojama program as well too for my mentor is Derek, Brother Daryl, and you know, we have Brother Stevenson as well too, and we have a bunch of new uh, newcomers as well that I haven't met yet, but I'm looking forward to meeting 
Well, thank you, Harry, for sharing um, with us today. Um, just to make sure that everyone has our information, um, we are doing info sessions every week, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Um, that gives uh, individuals a uh, chance to come in, hear about our program, how you may access our services, and what we have to offer here at Ujamaa Place. Uh, so again, that happens every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Um, we invite everybody to come to those info sessions just come. to learn a bit more. <laughs> come, come, come to those info sessions. Um, and also, we're just we're here. Um, we just want to make sure that everybody knows that if they are a young black man um, between the age of 18 and 30, please come to Ujamaa Place. Um, we are here. We have a lot of resources. We have a lot of um, good, inspirational black men that are here, ready to support, uh, ready to mentor. Um, so I just want to invite you, young men, um, that may be listening and hear this to our office space. Um, Again, to reach us, you can contact us by phone at 651-528-8006, or you can reach out to one of us um, on our website at ujamaplace.org. Again, we hope to hear from you soon. Thank you so much for listening. This is Brother Hassan. This is the late night hour. <laughs> Ujama Place after dark. <laughs> you you going to hear us serenade the mics tonight? <laughs> Light your candles and dim the lights down. <laughs> Make sure you get them roses ready for your baby girl. Yeah. You got Barry White. <laughs> oh, no, no, man. <laughs> a Black Man Sketch, a podcast by Ujama Men.
mainly because of, you know, situations uh, prior to the pandemic, um, such as the George Floyd situation. Uh, so I, w I felt like that was more important than what I can actually, uh, you know, I don't want to make money off of people's death. You know, that's not, that's not what my art is for. I want to be able to go out and, you know, really participate in the community and be able to be out there and help the people. You know, that was something I take pride in. So, you know, when I do get to a point where I'm back to bringing my stuff to the world, I want to be able to have it in a way where, you know, it's something, I will still have an expression of it, but it's not really the focus of the money. It will be more focus of, you know, the message of what the, clothes I'm dropping or any canvas piece that I am dropping, you know, I want to have something that's going to be memorable. Wow, that, that's, that's, that's powerful. Um, you mentioned George Floyd. How did that impact you? Because, you know, it sounds, I'm hearing an impact that says, you know, you didn't want to make money off of his death. So the emotional side of his death and being a Ujamaa man and having the experience that you've had being a man, and you could talk about that too, um, how life as a black man, you know, because that's one of the reasons we created a black man sketch, how mm -hmm. life as a black man impacted you on top of, first we have Jamar Clark, Philando Castile, um, George Floyd, you keep hearing even around the country about this. As a creative artist, designer, every time you hear something like that, what does it do to you and what does it say to you? Um, I was, well, George Floyd was just like the, it was just a pushover because, well, we're in a pandemic, you know, we're in a pandemic, so none of this should even be happening. We shouldn't even have a situation of sorts like this like and on top of it it was the way that the situation was handled that really pushed us over you know everybody was already upset about the you know thousands of hundreds of thousands of black men that they already incarcerated and they killed you know now it's like okay we're supposed to be in a pandemic we're supposed to be home you know he wasn't he wasn't doing anything wrong you know so the fact that you know it took he's calling out for help. He's telling you I can't breathe. He's calling out for his mom and stuff. It was just like, you know, that's, it's, it's, it's disappointing and it's sad. And, you know, from a man's point of view, it's like he was, I, I don't even want to stoop that low to, you know, begging somebody for my life, you know, and, and I'm already fighting for my life without begging, you know, so we are already in a situation where things is hard for us. And you're making it harder. So now we're like, no, this, this is it. And, you know, to say Minnesota really erupted the way it did, I was proud of my, uh, to say to be, you know, I live here, you know. And it was something I felt like that's going to be, you know, instrumental for the long term. And, and I want to be able to, you know, give that back to my daughter and show her, like, this, we fought for this. We want to we be able to have you, you know, not worry about any of the stuff that, we have to deal with, you know, our parents fought for the same thing, even though we still have to fight for it. It's still little changes that we, we have, that we have, we have privileges, privileges that we had that our parents did not have. So I thank them for that. But I still want to have that same impact that I want to do for my kid as well. So, 
I think as a as a man, I, this is we're supposed to be the shields and you know for the for our families and you know, our kids, our women, you know. So I, it it was hard. It was really hard to watch that video as well as the many others that was out there. It's, um, you mentioned, you know, that in, you know, what you want to do to make this world better for your daughter. Um, you know, there's two sides of that. There's, there's also the side of you're going to have to teach her to fight mm. when these type of things are happening, you know, you want to pave the way and make it lighter, but you also want to teach her that she's always going to have to fight for her human rights. You're going to make it a little easier for her because we'll progress, but something else will come up. It'll be something else totally different that she's going to have to. Hmm. And it's just that continuance um, evolution of, um, you know, that fight that, that for generations. And, and I think it's going to have to be generations behind, behind your daughter, right? So, did you do you remember four years ago? Where were you when Philando Castile was murdered, and it played out on Facebook? And did you see it? Uh, I did. I did see Philando Castile's murder. Uh, I was actually, I was actually at work when it happened. So, when I got the video, actually, actually, some my, I have a group chat with my family, so. I had a conversation with my family about it, and they told me about the news, and I was at work, so I was like, I don't, I don't even know what's going on. So when I got off of work, I actually seen the video and was watching, you know, heartbroken because like he wasn't doing anything wrong, you know, he, he's with his daughter, he's with his, he's with his girl at the same time, and he, the police reacted. Uh, it was irrational. He, he, he's telling you. I have a gun license, you know, it didn't make sense. It didn't really make sense at all. You, you're scared of us, but yet you're the ones with the guns. You're the ones that's trying to, you know, keep us in a box when we're all we asking for is equality and you want to treat us like animals. So it really, it really hit me hard because like I have a daughter. I don't want to see my daughter. She's going to have PTSD at such an early age, you know, and she's not even going to be able to understand what that means. You're going to have to wake up in hot flashes as a kid and, you know, you're watching your dad die in front of you. It's not, that's not something you want your kid to really experience, nor your girl. And that reached the world. Oh my, and that reached the world. So, yeah, that was, that was a tough, yeah. that was a tough time. Do you think that um, any has anything changed since Philando? Because then we end up, you know, experiencing Philando, and there's been countless others. So the progress, the, the the progress. I guess the question would be the protests and the rioting and the things that happens afterwards. Um, does it give you hope? Uh, the protests and the rioting, uh, I believe, I believe there's always hope, no matter with or without that, but it gives me more hope because then it shows that people are hearing us. And especially with the pandemic, it, it really, it really opened up for the world because now everybody can't go nowhere, 
but to watch the news, you know, and the social media is gonna reach if the news don't catch it. And it reached, it reached, like you can't ignore it no more. And, and that, that's why it's, it's a bittersweet because, you know, a man had to die in order for people around the world to really understand that America is not perfect. You know, America's is corrupted, but now, now, now the world is seeing it. Like it's, we're not, we're not just the the American dream anymore. So, um, Trey, how long were you homeless? Uh, I was homeless for about. I was homeless like in and out for like four years. Four years. Yeah. So we, um, and, and I want to share something with you because you know I'm the data analyst for Ujama and um, a lot of the men that come in, this won't be in, in the video, but a lot of the men that come in here are homeless. And about half of our population, we couldn't find them. So after we were, after we shut down, so that was on March 23rd, um, we lost contact with a lot of the men that we feared were either out on the street, they couldn't, you know, get in the building. Um, these are the men that don't have a mobile phone. We, you know, sometimes we'll have an emergency number, but sometimes not. These are the population of our Ujamaa men that we serve that are, have been chronically homeless. That's what keeps us up all night. We're trying to find those men, you know, are they living in, you know, homeless encampments in the park and, you know, so that's what we're, we're working on right now, lo locating, trying to locate that we're displaced because you may not be aware because we have this dignity that dignified way that we care for the men. So we wouldn't say, okay, this brother's homeless. He sleeps on the train all night, and he shows up at Ujamaa in the morning so he can eat and be in his program. Hello, Linda. But you know Linda that's the population, other. you know, that we serve. Yeah. So based on, based on your, you know, you, you've had that experience of being homeless. What are some things that we should do as an organization to, even outside of what we're already doing, um, to really make sure that we're caring for the homeless. That's the, the part, we, we take care of all of our brothers equally, but that's the part of our program that keeps us up at night because we just don't have enough housing for all the men. Mm -hmm. And you know, so with help from you and from others that have experienced that, what more could we be doing as an organization? Uh, what the things you could do for the organization to help with homelessness, that's, that's tough. Um, it's hard to say because then, like, you can't, sometimes you just can't reach them. Like you said, like, you, mm -hmm. you don't, they don't have phones. They don't, some people don't know about the organization, you know, it's, and then locating homeless people that really needs, like, needs the guidance that really wants to be, you know, that next, you know, Obama or that next, you know, 
Fidel, you know what I mean? Like, you want to be that next, like, legendary person. Um, it's hard to say because, you know, I, I, I just came to Ujamaa um, from my aunt. My aunt told me, so I just, I just buckled down and got to it. I believe the best we could do is, you know, have have like a little little events or something, or you know, because people, I mean, homeless people need to eat, so you could reach out, have little events, have them eat, you know, reach out to them, give them programs, let them know what, what you can help with them. Like, I think that's probably the best thing is like being able to just go out to the community. That's what, um, that's kind of the idea that we came in, up with, is that we're probably gonna have to go find them because I can imagine you walk up to a door and now the door's locked and you can't get in. Yeah. And it takes you to this place that, you know, hopelessness again, like, okay, I didn't have a place to live, but at least I could hang out all day and get my food and my meals mm -hmm. and, now all of a sudden I can't get that. You know what I'm saying? And even though we have numbers posted and everything, they don't have a phone. They, I think, I think ultimately, you know, we're going to have to, as a society, make a decision um, and have the will to help the homeless. Yeah. Um, and and to say that living in a park is unacceptable. And we need to, in a community like that has all these Fortune 500 companies, like you work for one, to say, this is unacceptable. We're yeah. not gonna live, our society is not gonna tr treat our population like this. And so that's, that's just, I just brought that up because I just wanted to hear um, what you had to say about that because we're really, we're really um, pretty devastated by and thinking where are they where are our men like maybe they felt abandoned maybe they feel you know maybe they just under survival mode had to just go somewhere you know did they leave town even did they you know what I'm saying it's just you're yeah. sitting there wondering where these are men that we cared for for a long time now where are they so anyway um and so we have an election coming up. This is an election year to elect a new president and a lot of other um, officials, elected officials in our community. Um, what do you think about voting? And you know, what are your thoughts about politics today? Because you know, politics get dirty. Sometimes we don't even like. We want to turn away. But I think we're in this environment right now politically where we, we have to address politics. So. It's true. Um, so let's talk about voting. What are your thoughts about voting? Uh, well, my thoughts about voting, I believe it's important. I think that's something that we should take initiative in. Though we also gotta understand what we're voting for, who we're voting for, um, how we can get these people to actually do the things that we're asking them to do. Uh, voting and voting for these people, it takes takes a lot than just the vote. You know, you got to be able to have your community behind you. 
I mean, these people are looking for money as well. There's lobbyists in there, so you got to be able to understand all that. Um, and you know, that's why that's why the presidents all of them accept donations from these big companies, uh, so they can pass votes for these for these people. And that's why I mean, you're not really buying them, but you're at least getting yourself noticed. Be like, hey. We're giving you this money. This is it. this is exactly what we need. So that's why I feel like building our community up is is going to be a little bit more valuable than voting. But voting is still an important role that we should play. Now, we have a lot of elected officials that pay attention to you, Jama, that will will see your video. Um, so if you were talking to one of them um, about you, this is about your needs. What would you say? What do you want to see happen? And it could be anything, social justice, criminal justice, homelessness, poverty. What would be your plea to politicians that are running for office that things that you want to see in our community? Uh, if, if I was talking to a politician right now, um, I would say, man, just, just give us equality. That's all we need. We all, we don't, we're not asking for too much. We're not asking for too little. Uh, we just want to be equal. Like, as soon as we get to that point, y'all, y'all stop, stop the, the, the outrageous amount of jail that y'all putting our people in, you know, and especially our men, because, and get rid of welfare. Make sure you give us a whole bunch of jobs in our community. Uh, don't, don't just arrest us for the drugs. Get the drugs out of there. You know what I mean? Don't, because we're not putting it there. We're we're not capable of traveling to go grab the drugs. So clearly, there's somebody else there. There's a lot of stuff that y'all could that y'all could fix. Like instead of just trying to put us in jail and getting rid of us, like we're not going anywhere. We're it's inevitable. We're going.